Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Welcome, welcome, welcome yeah. to another episode of the Saul Bookman Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. We have a lot to get into. As usual, this week, the Arizona men bounce back to a degree. Got some issues still, but they bounce back on the road in Northern California and sweep the Bay Area schools. Big time sweep. It was much needed. The women took care of business at home as well against the Washington schools. They continue to hold pace and look dominant as, I mean, I, can, I guess at this point I can say as usual. Uh, they have looked very, very good this season. And can we really, I mean, can we really talk about Aaron Gordon? I mean, I, I kind of want to get into that. Is that cool with you guys? I think we're going to get into that. Um, so, hey, we're going to keep it short and simple this week. We're going to throw a lot of information at you. So here we go. Let's get to it. Living with chronic pain is the worst, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I just hit the gym for a little bit. Um, I just got back into the gym, I should say, after for a long layoff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you got those bumps and bruises. And uh, my kids wanted to play basketball this weekend. And, you know, my I, I get some chronic pains in my back and my knees. And, and, and it's just, you know, it's not fun. It's not fun, right? Many of my listeners probably have had the same type of pain that's prevented them from relaxing, sleeping, or even exercising, right? Perhaps it's been ongoing for a few weeks now and hasn't improved with any of the treatments that, that, that you've tried. That's where Omax Health comes in. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFreeze CBD Roll-On. This non-prescription triple action pain relief roll-on is specially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part, it's 100% natural, folks. CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application and relief can last up to 8 hours. It's much longer than a lot of over-the-counter products. You have to try this out. And what's so awesome right now is that right now, Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off of a full bottle of crowd-free CBD pain relief roll-on. Plus, free shipping. That's right. This discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com, enter the code overtime. That's overtime. That is omaxhealth.com and enter the code overtime to get 20% off CrowdFreeze site wide. Okay? It's it's a great product. Take it, take a little bit, use it, you're gonna feel better. I promise you. So the men took care of business this weekend. That's all we're asking for them at this point. We're not expecting the world. We're not expecting, you know, a, a ton of super plays or highlight plays. We're not looking for dynamic shooting performances performances by any means at this point. We're just looking for some consistency, which this team has been struggling to find all season long. But when you look at this game, when you look at the last two games, especially against Stanford, a much better team than, than Cal, you have to be happy with what you saw. You have to be happy, especially with uh, Zeke Naji, who was the Pac-12 player of the week this week. He did a he, he did a solid job, 21-11. and 11, That's exactly what you want from your big man. He's been producing all season just like that. At this point, he is the go-to player. There is no other star player on this team besides Zeke Naji. Believe that. And I'm going to get to that in a second. I don't know how Zeke Naji continues to be outside the first round of the NBA draft by some projections. Some people 
Don't think that he can play the five in college, which I do not think so as well. But he could play the four. And if you're talking about development, this kid's as good as they come. He's going to develop. He's going to be able to develop that outside shot. He could play down low. He plays bigger than he looks. He's strong. He plays aggressive. He's not weak. He's the only one on Sean Miller's team that can body down low and not be afraid of contact and hold his own down in the paint. He's the only one. He's the only one on that team. Even Ira Lee will avoid contact from time to time. He is the only Arizona Wildcat that is worth a damn in the paint. Period. Point blank. Stone Gettings has been solid as a as a second soldier down there on the block. He has some nice finesse moves. He's his strength is the the ability to open it up and shoot from the outside as well. He's been a revelation this season. And thank God, because Chase Jeter has gone MIA. He had a, a couple minutes this past weekend, which was which was nice to see. It was nice to see that he actually contributed a little bit. But at the end of the day, he still continued to struggle uh, to find his role on this team. And that's why he didn't really play against Stanford. He didn't play at all. And so, you know, what we're looking for from this team is just some dudes that want a ball and they want a ball hard. And for that, I was pleased with the production overall. I loved Jamal Baker. I thought uh, when he came in, he was a much-needed relief from Nico. And I think it's safe to say at this point, there are some real concerns with Nico Mannion at this point, especially after the Oregon game. The Oregon game on the road, I thought for sure that was the turning point. He was going to snap out of whatever funk that he was in. And things were going to be merry. It has not happened. Jamal Baker comes in. He's been able to uh, kind of stabilize the, the on-court play, especially from the guard position, because he's not as careless with the ball as Nico has had a propensity to do of late. Um, just some really crazy turnovers that you see from Nico at some some kind of inopportune times. And he's kind of stunting the team's own momentum from time to time, trying to make that super play. And uh, like I said, I'll get to that in a second. But other than that, I thought uh, uh, Dylan Smith had a pretty good game up at Cal. He had some uh, big-time shots. Uh, Dylan Smith has this propensity to hit some big-time threes and not look so great in other at other times in the game. He's like, a, he's like Jamel Horn. You know, Jamel would give you these flashes of greatness every now and then, but then he'd play and you'd be like, oh my gosh, what are we doing out here, right? And uh, it, as we move forward, I really, really hope that Dylan can draw back on the experience of not only himself, but also watching other Wildcats in this system thrive as they move forward, especially in the Pac-12 tournament, because, you know, three out of the last five years, Arizona's won that Pac-12 tournament. It'd be nice to win another one now, right? So... Arizona, as they continue to to move forward, I'm sorry, two out of the last four years, check that. Uh, as they continue to move forward and find their way, they're going to have to find some chemistry at some point. But what I do love is the fact that they're finding ways to win despite the fact that they don't have tremendous chemistry, which is which is you know a testament to not only the talent ability of this team, but also hey. If you're going to bag on Sean Miller, you got to give him a little bit of credit too. You can't have it both ways. And I think Sean Miller has proven that he's he's able to get enough out of this team just to tread water so far. But now it gets serious. We have six games left in the season, and there's one guy, one guy 
that has the ability to take this team from where they are right now to another level. And that's Nico Mannion. I think coming into the season, we all knew it. We all know it right now. And I would like to see more from Nico Mannion. I just do. I don't, I have not seen enough. I just have not seen enough. And check this out, okay? The last 10 games. So I mentioned the Oregon game, right? I thought the Oregon game, he came out, he played very well. He had some big time shots. He looked like the potential first round draft pick that we all expected him to be. And I thought that that was going to be the springboard to vault him forward and really take this team to another level. It has gone the opposite way. The complete opposite way. He's averaging 4.2 assists per game in the last 10 games. So starting with Oregon State, which he had 9 in that game, after that, he's had 33 assists. So the last 9 games, he's had 33 assists. That's 3 a game. That's not good enough. Not if you're going to be a point guard and you're shooting the way that you're shooting. Here is where he's at right now. 34% from the field right now in the last 10 games. 34%. That's not good. That is not good for a guard. That's not good for any player. What makes it even worse is that he's shooting 24% from three-point range. There's been games where he's gone over. He is he has made four out of his last 23 in the last four games. Five games, I'm sorry, four out of the last 23 in his last five games. And what's more concerning to me is, is the craftiness, the playmaking ability that he was touted to have. You know, people were comparing him from from anywhere from like a Mark Price to a Steve Nash type player. And man, right now you'd 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 settle for a Parker Jackson Cartwright. And that's no knock on PJC, but PJC wasn't a projected first round pick. And PJC held his own. You know, for as little as he was, he shot the ball decently well. He got others involved. He didn't create stupid turnovers. Like PJC held his own. Nico Mannion is struggling big time right now. How is he going to break out of that slump? I see a projection today from Draft Express, and you can take it for what it's worth, uh, from Gavani and uh, uh, Schmitz. And they have Nico going 10th overall. And all I can think of is how? Is the draft class that bad? And I'm not trying to bag on Nico Mannion. I love Nico Mannion. I thought he was great in high school. I didn't think he was the next coming of Mike Bibby, but I thought he was going to be good. And it's always a wait and see approach with these kids. I don't know how anybody worth their salt can come in outside of somebody that just shows you the physical and tangibles that are off the charts, the measurables that nobody, you're just God-given to, right? Like a DeAndre Aiden. You knew he was going to come in. He was probably going to average a double-double. He was going to own the paint. He's going to be a beast, right? You just knew that. Um, when you looked at when you look at guards, especially guards that are 6'4 and under, you got to wait and see because you don't know how they're going to adjust to the college game. And I know the NBA game is... Is far more, you know, it's it, there's more spacing and it's more run and gun and what have you. But right now, he would he would struggle to play. He, he first of all, he's not starting anywhere. He would struggle to play. He would struggle to play. I don't know how many minutes. Let's just take for instance the Phoenix Suns right now. Okay, if Nico Mannion, which is uh, I, there's a high probability this could even happen, if Nico Mannion was drafted by the Phoenix Suns. He's going to play behind Ricky Rubio. He's going to play behind uh, 
uh, Ilya Kobo, and he's going to bl- play behind Javon Carter. Javon Carter plays some defense, like mad defense, and can hit open shots. And, you know, he's not the greatest facilitator and, and, and offense runner in the league by any means. But, you know, spot minutes here and there, okay. Ilya Kobo, he's showing some pro- progression. He can get to the basket. He can shoot from the outside. He's he's learning the game as he goes along, right? I look at those two examples right there because there's no way Manny's playing over Ricky Rubio, no matter what your opinion is on Ricky Rubio. He's still a veteran. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to get others involved, blah, blah, blah. Would Nico Mannion right now start over Javon Carter and Ilya Kobo? And the, 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 the answer is absolutely not. Now, granted, there's a bit of development that has to go on with Nico Mannion. Uh, his shot is the thing that concerns me the most. When I watch his shooting mechanics... They are flawed right now. They were not flawed when I saw him in high school. They were not flawed at the beginning of the season. But for whatever reason, he is not comfortable with his jump shot. He's not getting set balanced shots. He's not getting wide open shots. He's not taking the best shots ever. That floater has somehow gone away completely from his game. That seemed to be the thing that kind of sparked him forward. But it's not even there anymore. Uh, you know, maybe guys are, they've done their scouting reports. They know that if he goes to the lane and tries to throw that floater up, just step in and take a charge. Maybe he's getting a little gun shy, but for this team to make it to another level, Nico Manning has got to find it. He's got to find it soon before it's too late. And it's not to say that that can't happen. The same thing happened to Larry Marketing for a stretch in his freshman year. When we kind of got to like maybe three or four games away from the Pac-12 tournament, before that, he was kind of struggling. And then he started to find it. And once they hit March, he found it completely. And he was awesome in the Pac-12 tournament. He was, at, uh, he was awesome uh, a couple games before leading up to the Pac-12 tournament. And then we got to the NCAA tournament and he was great until until they played Xavier. And then in the last you know 9 minutes, 11 minutes, whatever... Uh, he didn't touch the ball. Sean Miller didn't design any plays for him to touch the ball. He didn't want the ball. Everybody was scared of touching the ball except for Alonzo Trier, and thank God for that. Uh, you know, but uh, man, I, I and I, and I don't want to bag on the kid. Uh, I'm not. I hope this doesn't come off as me being disrespectful to Nick, Nico Mannion. He's a young kid. He's like 19, 18 years old. He's going to have a bright future. He has a bright future, but it's so imperative right now when I look at a Nico Mannion that he gets himself into a position to be able to develop and make it at the level that he wants to make it in. If he wants to play in the NBA, if he wants to have a long career in the NBA, he needs to decide if he wants to stay here another year and develop under Sean Miller if he thinks that development is going to pay off. If he thinks the development program is worth it to stay at U of A. Or he needs to think, okay, well, I want to go to the NBA. Even if I play in the G League for a little while, I can develop. But you've got to hope. you got to hope you develop. Because at, that, at this clip right now, if it should continue, we're looking at a player that could have gone from a lottery pick to barely hanging on to the first round. And that is real. And I know you're not seeing that out there. Right now you're seeing him go from anywhere from a from a low top 10 pick all the way to like maybe the, the, the low teens. So like, you know, 
16, 15, 14. I've seen projections all over the place when it comes to Nico Mannion. But the very real concern for Nico Mannion that all these reports have, except for this Draft Express one that I saw today, which I don't even know if they've seen a game that Arizona has played this year. It, it, it baffles me that they would look at Nico Mannion and say, yes, he's the legit top 10 pick. I don't see it. I don't see it. I know a lot of people on Twitter have said the same thing. Um, but I hope so for the kid because I know that's what he was projected to. I know that's the standard that he holds himself to. I'm I'm sure of it. I know that's the dream too. I hope he gets it. I hope he gets it. But right now there's a lot of things that he has to work on to prove that he can play at that next level, at the level that people think he can play at. Could you imagine him going up against John Morant right now? What? Can you imagine him guarding Trey Young? Like, that's not happening. That's not happening right now. Trey Young was a freshman too. Remember that. And he was a top 10 pick as well. He's a top 5 pick. And he just played in the All-Star game. And he shoots like crazy percentages from all over the court. He makes superstar plays all over the place. Uh, and he doesn't necessarily have like elite quickness. But man, is he crafty as hell. Man, can he shoot from the outside. He just he knows how to play the game. Nico looked like he was going to be able to to develop toward towards that path and then all of a sudden it just kind of the rails just kind of fell, fell off. So hopefully he can find it and hopefully he can find it soon cuz cuz this week you got two big boys coming into town and I say big boys with Oregon State because they completely waxed Arizona the last time they were up in Corvallis. But I believe that this is the week that Arizona is really going to find themselves. And I believe this is the week where they finally prove to themselves, hey, we can do this, fellas. We can do this. We can beat the best in the country, starting with Oregon. And Oregon, that big game on Saturday, it's going to be huge. I'm excited for it. Can't wait to watch it. And they, But they start with Oregon State on Thursday. They have to handle business against Oregon State. Otherwise, it could be a disastrous weekend for Arizona. So how they respond, what they learned against Oregon State the first time around, and how you know how much they played zone, how they would frustrate Arizona. They're gonna sh- they're gonna force Arizona to shoot from the outside, and why wouldn't you? Arizona's not the best three point shooting team in the Pac twelve. They're not even they're not even close. But what I will say is is if they let Arizona shoot and those shots are dropping, especially for Nico Mannion, it could be lights over for the whole Pac twelve. So as they move forward to Oregon. This Peyton Pritchard, Nico Mannion matchup is the one that I want to see the most. Peyton Pritchard and Nico Mannion went head to head and they played evenly, pretty much. Uh, Peyton hit a couple clutch shots, um, especially in overtime. But this is the team that you have to worry about when it comes to the Pac 12 tournament Oregon. Oregon stands in the way. Colorado's Colorado. Colorado's nice. That's a nice story. I'm not a believer in Colorado because I'm not a believer in Tad Boyle. I think he's overrated. I think he gets the most out of out of the players that he has. But you know, meh. I I, I just Colorado is like um, it's like the Rams. It's like the Rams in the NFL. Always eight and eight. That's what Bruce Arians said, right? Always eight and eight. A team that's always like 500, a little bit above 500, they'll spark you every now and then. But for the most part, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get maybe a deep run, maybe the Final Four, the Pac-12 tournament, and that's about it, right? They won it that one year. Good for them. You know, hey, 
the sun shines on a dog's butt every now and then, right? It hasn't happened since. They haven't come close. You know, they've gotten bounced easily pretty much in every Pac-12 tournament. And they've gotten bounced in the NCAA tournament. Like, hey, we know what to expect from Colorado. Oregon is the team that you need to worry about. Oregon is the new superpower in the Pac-12 outside of Arizona. And Oregon is the school that we will forever compete against while Sean Miller uh, is, is at U of A, period. It, that's just how it is. And Oregon is the team that we have to worry about. Dana Altman does a great job up there. He recruits just equally, if not better, than Sean Miller of late. He and he and he and he gets guys that fit his program. Oh, and by the way, the team that you blew a 22 point lead against down in Tempe, all of a sudden they've come alive, and they are now the second school to get a, a road sweep in the Pac-12. So Arizona has a lot to left to play for. They have a lot to prove. And I think it starts this weekend. I really do. I think Arizona is going to come out and they're going to do a fantastic job against the Oregon schools. At least I hope so. I hope that this team can find a way to get their mojo to a level where they can feel confident in everything that they're doing out on the court. They're not hesitating. They're not, they're not thinking twice about what they're trying to do. And they know that if all else fails, who are we going to get the ball to? That's right, Zeke Naji. That is your that is your get out of jail free card. That is your hall pass. Zeke Naji. Zeke Naji is the college basketball equivalent of a hall pass. Get the ball to him, let him do his thing, and you'll get out of trouble. It's just that simple. So, woo, man, I'm feeling good today, folks. So, that's what we got for Arizona men's basketball. When we come back. We're going to talk about some women's hoops because they continue to do a great job. Stick around. Yo, folks, you know, I mentioned this product before. Um, I just think safety is is paramount, especially if you have loved ones uh, in your own household. You know, you got your kids, your wife, uh, you have your cars in your garage or you have valuables inside the house. Uh, home security is just so, so important. Simply safe can help you out for real every night local police departments across america receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms the vast majority of the time they have no idea whether the alarm is real or not i mean if crime's happening you want to know that the police are going to respond right away so if there's a break-in simply safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime that means police dispatch up to 350 percent faster than for a normal burglar alarm outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home and entry and motion and glass break sensors guard the inside this is exactly what you need and for right now if you visit simplysafe.com slash overtime you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial you've got nothing to lose right now telling you this is a great product this is a good time to get in Go now and be sure to go to simplysafe.com slash overtime so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime and protect yourself. Women's hoops in the building. Man, I'm, I'm... You know me. I'm, I love. I love me some Arizona women's basketball. I love me some uh, Adia Barnes and the way she can really organize her program and the way she really pushes this team to support uh, the community and how this community has supported her and the program. I think it's been fantastic. 
I think uh, the job that they're doing is 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 remarkable, and they deserve the love. And I tell you what, Arizona is awfully close to doing something that they haven't done before, and that is a top 10 spot in the AP poll. They're at number 11 right now, and it's, oh man, this team is on the rise. They are 21-4 and four overall, 10-4 and four in the Pac-12. Uh, been some tough losses here and there, but they've had some big-time wins as well, UCLA, Oregon State, and man, they still have a lot to play for. As of right now, they were are still projected as a number four seed in the pack in, in the NCAA tournament, which means that they would host the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. Whew. I, I'm telling you, if that happens, I, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to have my pom-poms. I'm going to be cheering just as loud as anybody else. I promise you that. Saul Bookman will be in some pom-poms uh, cheering uh, for this team because they deserve it. You know, when you have to face the teams that they had to face, number three, Oregon, number four, Stanford, number eight, UCLA, number 15, Oregon State, and number 21, Arizona State, and you beat those teams, okay? They swept ASU. They beat Oregon State once. They beat UCLA once. I mean, you have a lot there to play for. They lost to Oregon twice. They lost to Oregon State once, and they lost to UCLA once, okay? They have four games remaining. They got a tough road trip coming up. The doubleheader, or the double, yeah, the doubleheader up at the Rocky Mountain Schools of Utah and Colorado. Neither team is really all that great, but, but it's always a tough trip. Then they come home and they have another opportunity to do something remarkable. They play Stanford and Cal at home. Stanford is number four in the country. That would be a great opportunity for them to solidify themselves. If they beat Stanford at home, if they beat Stanford at home and they beat Cal at home and they sweep the Rocky Mountain schools, you're talking about a team that is 14 and four in the Pac 12. They will be 25 and four overall. And I think at that point, it wouldn't really matter if they lost in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament or not, because I believe they would get a first round uh, bid. I think they would get a first round bid. They would be a top four seed. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, props to this Arizona women's basketball team. They looked good over the weekend. They handled business against the Washington schools. Nothing really... uh, too crazy to really talk about. They they handled their business. Uh, they swept them easily, uh, winning both games by double figures. And uh, you know we'll we'll see how it goes. I just I, I just love this team and I love this program so much. And uh, I think again when you're looking at the totality of this team, okay, right now Arizona women's basketball has a better chance to go to the Final Four than the men do. Period. That you know what that discussion isn't even close anymore. It is. They, those two are far divided. Man, it is 2020, and I just said that sentence. How awesome is that? <laughs> How awesome is that? How awesome is it that a team it, that in 2015, I remember going coming to campus and thinking, oh my God, this team is awful. <laughs> this team is so awful. They're so bad. They were just outworked at every position. They couldn't do the basic things, and Nia Butts was in way over her head. And now, after Adia Barnes takes over, she has kind of a 500 season the first year, and then she took it on the chin the second year. I um, mean, she got punched in the face hard because she had she had nobody. She had no veterans. She had Sam Thomas and a bunch of other freshmen, and that was it. And then 
it all changed last year. You bring in Ari McDonald, you bring in a bunch of other studs, uh, Kate Reese, and uh, they just they've they've done a great job of really building that culture, not going too fast. And Arizona now is on the cusp of being a national power in women's basketball. Believe that because the people that they got coming into the program, it's no different than what Lute did back in the day. It's no different. You got to have that core. With Lute, it was Sean Elliott. With Adia, it's Ari McDonald. You have to have that one superstar player, right? And then you have to have the second player. For Lute, it was Steve Kerr. For Adia, it's Kate Reese or Sam Thomas. You pick or choose whichever one. And then you have a strong supporting cast. And that is enough to get you to a national championship or at least pretty close. I mean, we are talking about a program that could compete with the best programs in the country on any given night. And that's the next step. That's the next step for Arizona women's basketball is to get past the the supremacy of the Pac-12 and the spotlight of the Pac-12 and to start playing some nationally recognized games, right? Start playing the Yukons of the world. Start playing Baylor. Start playing those big-time programs, South Carolina, Notre Dame, those big-time programs that we see every single year on the national level, the same teams, Tennessee, and be able to crack that that door. Crack that door and get to where this program deserves to be. I remember saying to Adia Barnes back in the day, I said it to Greg Byrne when they fired Nia Butts and she didn't come back, and he was walking by me in the Zona Zoo, and I said, Arizona could be UConn of the West. They could be, they absolutely could be the UConn of the West because UConn has had success in both men's and women's programs. They've won national championships. They won national championships in the same year. I believe Arizona could be that program. They absolutely could be that program. And Adia is doing her job in trying to get the right fit, the right players, the right mindset, and the right mentality, more importantly than anything else, over talent. That, can, that will come in here and really buy into this program and what this program and what this community is all about. Adia Barnes is doing that. Adia Barnes's staff is doing that. Her husband's on staff. They built a family culture. I'm telling you, Arizona women's basketball is closer to winning a national championship than the men are, period. You write that down. And so it's just fantastic to see. I love just gloating about this program. I'm so proud of the job that they've done. And, uh, you know, hey, next week, not this week, next week is your last chance to go to McHale and and really check out a game, uh, maybe for the rest of the season, because they damn sure ain't going to the NIT this year. That's for sure. They are going to the NCAA tournament. And, man, I get emotional just thinking about that. I get emotional just thinking about where this team came from to where they're going. It's it's just remarkable. I, I I can't say it enough times. So... Uh, props to them. Uh, good luck to them as they go to the mountain schools. You know, positivity, baby. You know, I, I was harping a little bit earlier on, on Nico Mannion, but man, we still gotta stay positive for that young man. He's gonna find it. He's gonna find his groove. He's gonna he's gonna lead Arizona to the promised land. You just gotta believe that, right? Because you don't have another choice. You get, you're not gonna bag on the kid. You're not gonna boom. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, so he's he's had a bad stretch, right? He's he's had the worst stretch probably in his whole life right now. How does he snap out of it? He snaps out of it with the love and the support of his teammates, his coaches, 
and the people that surround him in the community that say, hey, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come, man. It's going to come. And I think when you have a culture that surrounds you, it's easier to do that. And I think I believe that the Arizona culture, we see Sean Miller on the sidelines screaming and yelling and blah, 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 right? But behind closed doors, what a good coach will always do is understand that he needs you to understand the message. What's the message that I'm trying to say? What, what's the method that we're trying to go about this, right? And I think Sean Miller, does a, he does a good job, or at least good enough, in doing that. And I'm sure that at some point, it will snap, and it will click for that young man. Adia Barnes is trying to do the same thing with her whole team. She's trying to get everybody to understand, like, hey, this is, our, this is one unit. We are one family. We have the chemistry to really take us a very, very far away. And you know what? If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But you know what? It's not going to work because we weren't sticking together and working together. It's it's not going to work because you know things just didn't go our way. That's fine. That happens in sports. That happens in life. But you still got to stick together with the ones that you love. And I think Adia Barnes does a great job of doing that. I think Sean Miller tries to build that within his program. And I think he does that. If you talk to former players, they absolutely back Sean Miller. And that's what it's about. It's about being proud of the program that you're that you're building. It's about being proud of the program that is representing that red and blue. And uh, I think both coaches do that tenfold. And uh, Dia Barnes is taking this team to levels that they've never seen before. Um, hopefully, they have made it to a Sweet 16. They have made it to a Sweet 16 under Adia Barnes because she was a player at the time they made it to the Sweet 16. But can they take it a step or two further? That is the big question. Stick around. We'll be back after this. Aaron Gordon got robbed, son. Oh, 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 man. I, I just, I was so despondent about that. Like, irrationally despondent about that. Like, I was emotional that Aaron Gordon got robbed for the second time. Aaron Gordon is going to go down with perhaps three to five of the greatest dunks of all time in any montage you're ever going to see about the dunk contest. You got Vince Carter, you got Jordan, and then you have Aaron Gordon. And that montage of dunks, the things that he was pulling off were just incredible. Hey, congratulations, Derek Jones. You can go between your legs. Oh, awesome. Okay, well, come up with something different, okay? Come up with something different. That's what I thought separated Aaron Gordon from Derek Jones. He was creative in a variety of different ways. And I know... He, you know, rubbed up against the back of Taco Fall's head, right? That dude is 7'5". <laughs> He's 7'5". Jeez. Okay, so he got, he, he jumped over somebody that was 7 foot instead of 7'5". Okay, oh yeah, now we're going to complain about that? Come on, man. That was still a remarkable dunk. Nobody else tried it. Aaron Gordon, man, got robbed twice. They should give that guy two trophies. That they the NBA owes it to Aaron Gordon to give him two trophies. You know what? Rename the slam dunk contest the Aaron Gordon slam dunk test trophy because he deserves his name on that trophy. That's it. End of discussion. 
<laughs> man, man, my man, Aaron Gordon. Hey, by the way, he's going to be a future Phoenix Sun, just uh, in case you didn't know. I mean, if there's anybody that was written to be a Phoenix Sun, it's going to be him. I just, I have this feeling it's going to happen. Make it make it happen. Put another Wildcat on this squad. Love to see DeAndre Aiden and Aaron Gordon repping uh, the Phoenix Suns together at the same time. That would just be awesome. So, uh, and then maybe they draft Nico Mannion. Who knows? <laughs> it would be just U of A uh, North. You know, I mean, that's just... You know, dreaming is free, right? Dreaming is free. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for joining me this time around. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, as always, take care of each other and support, support, support these teams, especially right now uh, as they head down the stretch. It's such a crucial time of the season for them. There's a lot of stress on these kids. We need to understand that. Don't tweet at them. Don't Instagram them. Don't send them stupid messages. Be chill. Be cool. Sit back. Take a deep breath. Vent to yourself, vent to your friends, but there's no need to, to be angry because at the end of the day, these kids are here for school. They're here to take themselves to another level financially, and more importantly, they're here to represent the red and blue, which is me and you. So uh, love each other. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.